0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the latest edition of Head of the Pack little off-season dead time here. Normally we would be at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis this week. I think it's this week, Bill, but obviously that is not happening this year. So we are here to answer all the questions you have about the Packers, about life, about free agency, about JJ Watt, about Aaron Rodgers uh, getting a potential contract restructure. So we put out a call on Twitter. We said. However long it takes, we will spend this episode answering your questions, so we're going to do that. And let's start with this one, and I'm going through my Twitter right now, from loyal listener Cecilia J. Bugface, oh, always always tunes in. What adjustment due to COVID changes did you actually find most enjoyable covering the team and hope stick around? Ooh, that's a good question. Bill, you want to take that one first? Um, I'm going to go for nothing. <laughs> I mean, I I saw her question
2: and I thought, this, and I was thinking about it, I'm thinking, well, I mean, other than I can, it was kind of nice staying home for a while. I, I have to say um, with homeschooling the kids, it was handy. But once they got back to school, it's like, man, um, I missed the interaction with people. There's something about um, having a conversation with a, somebody who actually knows you in the locker room and, and getting honest answers. Um, it just wasn't the
1: same, Matt. Yes. Yeah, so, so I would just say, Like you said, Bill, it's the lack of in-person interaction, whether it's sitting in front of Matt LaFleur or the coordinators at a podium or talking to the position coaches in the hallway or shooting the crap with players at their locker after their group interview sessions. like Those are the most enjoyable part of our jobs, not getting called on on a Zoom interview and, and having the clip of our question that's asked be posted by bleacher report on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> but it, the best part about the job in as, as a lot of people have been craving during this pandemic is the social interaction and whether it's with Jair Alexander, Aaron Rodgers, Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, Devonte Adams, like getting to know these guys beyond just football players, I think is the most enjoyable part of their interactions with us and also our interactions with them. So I didn't really enjoy much about covering the team during a pandemic. You know, I'm a 25 year old kid who lives alone in Green Bay. So I like getting out of the house and going to practice and talking to people. And, you know, instead I had to go for a lot of walks around downtown Green Bay to get out of the house. And I don't really enjoy that. So I hope some some sort of normalcy comes back. I don't know if it will. I won't make a prediction that it will. But yeah, I don't I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed anything about covering the team during a pandemic.
2: No, it was, like, we'd get two or three players a day while, I mean, we, you know, I, I look back and, you know, Rick, Rick Wagner was not Mr. Media. So it wasn't a great loss not talking to Rick because, you know, he didn't want to talk to us anyway. But for an example, he talked to us once during the entire season. He, and he wasn't the only guy. I mean, there's guys who you want to talk to, whether it's, you know, you, you want to ask him one question about an upcoming matchup that he's got, or. Or you want to ask, you know, you, you're writing a feature about player A, well, you want to talk to player B about that player. Um, it's just the, the limited menu of players. I mean, you mentioned the the BS sessions at Rogers Locker. I mean, he would talk for 20 minutes on the record with us, and then he would talk for 10 or 15 minutes off the record, just shooting about yeah. whatever. It was, those are the fun things. Um, it did it didn't help any of our stories doing it online, that's for sure.
1: And I will say just one more thing because it's a good question. I think it's interesting when we can kind of provide a look behind the curtain at our interactions with these players that that fans just see as, you know, numbers on the field maybe sometimes. One of my favorite guys to talk to in the locker room is Jair Alexander. I've gotten to know him mm-hmm. a little bit just in these last two years. He is um, – and this is not a slight at him, but he is a lot more open and – uh Detailed and insightful when you get him one on one, and perhaps that's just because he's not as comfortable talking with lights shining in his face and cameras in a big group, and that's totally fine, especially for a young player you know I, I talked to him on the phone earlier this year for a feature I wrote on him, and he was absolutely incredible, like insight that I had never heard from him before and, and it was the same case when I would go up to his locker uh with just one on one during the twenty nineteen season. He's always better than than what he is in a group. And and sometimes and this is not a boast or a brag, but for those of us who are there every day, these guys know who we are and are more comfortable talking to us one on one, maybe than they would be just answering questions with eight different cameras in their face when they know those cameras are just there to you know, grab a soundbite for the nightly news. And that's not a slight on any of those people because they have a job to do, but I'm just talking about my perspective and in talking to these players and getting what I need for a story. That might be a selfish way to look at it, but that's one of the best parts of the job is is building that relationship with these guys and getting them to open up to you about things that they're comfortable opening up about, you know, off to the side without these huge groups. We
2: were just faceless, literally faceless people on these Zooms. Like we could see, a player, but the player couldn't see us. There wasn't even any picture of us. So, you know, speaking of Jair or Adrian Amos, did, did those guys know who we were on a Zoom call? Does he does maybe Jair's not a great example for you because you've talked to him more than but if he sees the name Matt, you know, Sarah Quick, the
1: PR would say, Matt Schneidman? Does, no, does Jair I, I, know who you are? With without the picture with I mean, I think Jair does, but I, I think I think some some of them do, obviously. I think Jair does. I think you know, Rogers and Devante do Bakhtiari, um, right. probably some other guys, but who knows Adrian Amos since he's only been here for, for a year, Mercedes Lewis, certainly not for me. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just guessing here, but definitely it, who, which ones are just going along with it and which ones like actually can put a face to the name, but that that's, uh, a minute kind of thing. Like I said, hopefully it returns returns back to some form of normalcy. I don't know if it will. I don't want to predict that, but it's a good question it, and led to a, a nice, interesting discussion there. Uh, from Andrew Heigl on Twitter. Uh, How do you feel about targeting someone like Marvin Jones? I think he could be ideal opposite of Adams, and hopefully his market isn't too crazy. I was thinking earlier today, like could the Packers make a splash at wide receiver and free agency and my first thought is, well, they didn't last year, and they were fine on offense, so they won't this year. And I do think that getting Devin Funches back, just looking at his Instagram, that dude is in shape. Whether he can catch a football or not, I don't know. But if you have the good MVS, and when he was good last year, he was really darn good, and Alan, and a healthy Alan Lazard, and your number four guy is Funchess over EQ, It's a pretty good wide receiver group. I also think, you know, I've seen some stuff online about Marvin Jones really wanting to possibly go to LA with uh, Stafford, his old quarterback in Detroit, and the Rams, I believe, have significantly more cap space than the Packers. I just don't know if targeting a a big name wide receiver like that who will probably get paid a decent amount of money is high atop the priorities list for a team that's already strapped for cash. Yeah, I agree with that. Um...
2: I, going just going back to last year's draft where 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 Ryan Gudekuns didn't get one early and then didn't, didn't bother after that, I feel like it's kind of the same thing. Um, no offense to Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones is a pretty good player, but do the Packers need a pretty good receiver? How does that no. move the needle at all? Don't they need um a a difference maker? I mean, maybe Marvin Jones isn't the, the greatest example, but in, in my opinion, when you don't have a lot of money, um, you got you, to me, you got to go get the guy who who's going to move the needle, and I'm not, I'm not sure any of these guys are. Or that guy. So I would, I would probably pass in all these veteran guys. Because they got a bunch of decent receivers. What they need is a guy who's really going to change things. I'm not, I'm not sure Marvin Jones is that guy.
1: Right. And they already have arguably the, the most game-changing wide receiver in football. So <laughs> I don't yeah, know. And, you know it, and Marvin's a big play guy. I mean, that, that's his right. game. Is, it, they got that's, that's for that. that's kind of the role MVS fills. So I don't yeah. know what good that would do. Uh, from Horseradish. It's a I solid name. I love what it. color tracksuit should I buy? I'll, I, I guess I'll handle that one quickly. Yeah, I, you I, can that one's all yours. I, I I like I like the bright colors, obviously. You know the the maroons, the yellows, whatever fits your vibe. You know, it's really up to you. I just went with what what wasn't too outlandish, but also would stand out, maybe. So whatever fits your vibe. That would be my answer on that one. Here's a good question. From Dane Griffin, assuming the Packers front office subverts our expectations again, what would be the most surprising first three picks based on position? So I'm assuming that means first rounders in the draft. I would say if, just for first, I, w- I would go
2: outside linebacker. I mean, if, okay. if you're going for the most surprising one, um, that would be my mo- obviously quarterback, but even, even Let, let's, that let's seems go, impossible.
1: Let's go most surprising while still within su- w- within reason. Yeah, I'll go so outside like, linebacker. Not, not like not like kicker. Something yeah. that you could see happening, but would still surprise you.
2: Yeah, I, I would stick with outside linebacker where you've got Zedarius Smith, Rashawn Gary, and may, maybe maybe not Preston Smith. That's that's a pretty good group. I would surprise me to go first round pick there.
0: hmm
1: Okay, I think Hmm. I think obviously wide receiver would surprise me. Um, although I, like I said, things that we could feasibly see happening, but would still be a big surprise. I would say wide receiver, I'd agree on outside linebacker and safety, I think, because I think they're set at safety. I think they had a really good tandem of safeties there, unless it's a guy that can, you know, is more of a a nickel guy, but you're not going to draft a number five defensive back, like a, a, a nickel guy in the first round. I don't think at least, but. What um, about center, what I mean? Matt? What about center? You they know, need one, I wouldn't still. hate that. And we can get into that because I have a story going up tomorrow, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, 10 bold predictions for the 2020 season. And, and I get into a little bit what I think is going to happen at center. I wouldn't be surprised because that's a really, really important position. You know, you got to, you see guys like Frank Ragnow and, um, how successful he is in Detroit and he was taken in the first round. Like, great centers don't just fall off trees left and right here. Like, you gotta have a really good one. And if you wanna I'll get into this now, and I and I want to hear your opinion too. What I would do is put Lucas Patrick at center, run in at right guard, and keep Elton Jenkins at left guard, only because. Who knows how David Bakhtiari is going to be coming off that ACL? I think you want the skill of Elton Jenkins to help out on that side as Bakhtiari moves back in. Now, is Elton Jenkins a better center than Lucas Patrick? Yes, probably. But I don't know if it's, you know, best player at center. I think it's, as Matt LaFleur says, best five, the best combination. And whether David Bakhtiari starts the season at left tackle or not, I think you want Elton Jenkins, who's one of the best interior offensive linemen in the league to help out that uh, on that left side, just in case Bakhtiari is a little slow out of the gate.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. And just kind of even going along those lines, I think I think you want him taking left side reps um, because the footwork is going going from you know lineman will tell you going going from right to left is harder than going from guard to tackle. So if you got Jenkins at left guard, at least he's got that kind of that same set to go to left tackle. If you needed him to replace Bak, if you want to go that way to replace Bakhtiari to start the year. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Matt. Um, if I'm moving one guy, I would move Patrick over to center. And then I, I like Runyon. I thought, I thought Runyon was really good when he had, when he was just thrown in there, I wouldn't mind seeing Runyon
1: get a whole month of training camp reps with the ones and see what you got. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. And without getting too far into the offensive line, since we have a lot, a lot more questions to touch on, I, I think I would just go, let's say Bakhtiari is ready for week one. I think, you would go Turner at right tackle, Runyon, Patrick, um, and Jenkins. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah. You know, let's, before we move on here, there's a question here from Wendell Ferreira. Sure. Um, this is perfect for this. Will the Packers re-sign Lane Taylor? Because if you move Patrick to center, Lane Taylor could be your guard too if, if
1: you're not totally confident in Runyon. I agree. I think you never know how someone responds from an ACL – Tear, and you know it's not like Bakhtiari, who played most of the season at a first-team All-Pro level. It's Lane Taylor, who tore his ACL in the first game of the season, and that happened after he missed the majority of the 2019 season with that biceps tear. So it'll be tougher for him to get back to his starter caliber level, but I could see it happening. I could see it happening. They're they're really strapped for. For offensive line depth, you know, a, a team desperate for a starter at at interior offensive line would probably give Lane more money if he's healthy. But if, if there's a team that knows him best and knows what he can do and does, and, and, you know, is comfortable maybe with an 80% Lane Taylor, then it would be the Packers.
2: Yeah. The problem with, with Taylor, it's, you know, he's obviously had the two injuries back to back, and you wonder, is it just bad luck or is he, a 30 was he 31 31 year old guy who's broken down i I have no idea the answer to that but i guess that would be the the potential wrench to that
0: right i agree looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV terms and restrictions apply.
1: So from uh, at M a H T H a R T E R. I don't know where, what the words are in there and I'm not going to try that, but that's your handle. I appreciate your question. Ask me, will you be collaborating at all with Dane Brugler on the upcoming article on an upcoming article focusing on the Packers draft? Of course, Dane's great. You know, He's already put out a couple mock drafts and I, I've broken down kind of what he's picked for the Packers. I believe his first one, he picked Davion Nixon, who's a defensive lineman from Iowa. And then Eric Stokes, who's a cornerback from Georgia. You know, I think it's likely they could, uh, I saw your uh, first mock draft bill. I think it could be one of two cornerbacks from Georgia that they pick. I personally would go corner in the first round and, and Georgia has got two of the better ones in the draft this year.
2: Yeah. You know, Kevin. Even if they bring back King on a on a discounted rate, it's man, you got you got to do better than that. So yeah. george has got a couple of good corners, and it'll be interesting. It, it's easy to say corner. Um, do you want to have the complementary piece of Jair, which means the the six one six two six three guy, or does it not matter to Joe Barry whatsoever as long as he's got two guys who can cover? Um, I kind of like having a tall guy personally because there's so many tall receivers. But um, I am not Joe Barry, and I'm not Brian Gutekunst. But I, I think it is an interesting <laughs> discussion
1: to say. Okay, looking beyond corner, what kind of corner would you like to have? Right. And that leads into this next question from Steve Heilmeyer. I hope I pronounced that right. Besides Watt, JJ Watt, which non-Packers free agent would provide the greatest impact in 2021? Thank you, Matt and Bill. Well, you're welcome, Steve. We appreciate you uh, asking that great question. And my answer relates to the cornerback position because... My answer is, I don't know, because he's going to be 33 years old, but I think he can still play. I would expect, I wouldn't be surprised, I should say, if they're in on Richard Sherman, because he's a guy, obviously, who is injured. But if they want to draft a corner in the first round, you look back at what they did with Jair. Jair wasn't this star right away. If they draft a corner in the first round, I wouldn't expect him to start right away. Of course, he could, but you know we saw what happened in the NFC championship game it doesn't matter how good your outside corner is on one side of the field that's only covers 50% of the 50% of the field 25% i guess but they, tom brady just picked on kevin king and channing sullivan and it doesn't matter how many times Jair locks down mike evans on one side you're just going to get exposed on the other side and and competent nfl offenses can can do that too much so you need to at least you know halfway locked down the other side of the field and Sherman a healthy Sherman is capable of doing that. He, I believe he told Stephen a Smith recently that he, you know, he's still got plenty left. He wants to play two more years. Yeah, he's 33, but if you're looking for a veteran, um, stop gap corner who who can bridge the gap between now and whenever that first round pick is ready. And you're looking for a guy who wants to chase a ring Richard Sherman in green Bay. Maybe he doesn't want to live in green Bay, but I, I lo- I like that pairing. I like that too. Um, Or Xavier Rhodes, because, you know, obviously Jerry Gray coached him for so long in Minnesota and he had a good, good year for Indy this year. He did. You know, one guy who I liked in that draft class was uh,
2: Chidobe Awuzie, which I, it's a good thing that I'm a writer, Matt, because I don't need to to pronounce any of these guys' names.
1: I think it's Awuzie.
2: I think it is actually thinking back to some Joe Buck calls, but it's a great thing about being a writer. (laughs) I don't, I don't need to know. Um, I just really liked him in that draft class. He's kind of a physical guy. The Packers played a lot of zone this year. And again, I have no idea what Joe Barry wants to do, um, but he's kind of in that niche. Um, I saw this question earlier when you solicited the questions. I just think it's going to be a fascinating free agency because there's so many teams over the cap. I think 13 over the cap. There's going to be a boatload of players cut. I, I just feel like this is going to be the, this revolving door of guys who are in that 6 to 8 to $10 million range getting cut and they all have to play for peanuts this year. So I just think it's going to be this wild and crazy off season where you have no idea who the free agents are going to be at this point. There's going to be a lot of bargains out there because supply is just going to be so far over demand. Um, I, if you can get, and, and Goody got into this at some point last year too, where if you can just get underneath the cap far enough, you can, you can be a real player just because of, there's going to be such a glut of free agents that you could there's some deals to be struck. so. Um, I just think it's gonna be fascinating to see how this all plays out as far who gets cut and where everybody ends up and it might all be,
1: it might all be for one year deals. Who knows? Yep. I I totally agree. I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Um, here from Evgeny, as we saw from Goody, he likes to trade up or down during the draft. What do you think is more probable trading up for a player or trading out of the first round? Great question. Um, That, that is a great question. I would say trading out of the first round, probably, because I think just looking at, uh, I expect them to use that first pick on a cornerback, whether, whether I'm probably wrong, but the cornerbacks that seem likely to go in the late first round, early second round, there are a couple of them, Asante Samuel, Jr., Stokes from Georgia, uh, Campbell, the other corner from Georgia if he likes, you know, a couple of those guys around the same trade back and acquire some picks. I mean, I don't expect him to to trade up again this year. Sure it could happen. You you saw they I believe it was 2018 I wasn't covering the team, but they traded back and then traded back up for Jair. Am I am I correct? That is correct. Yep. Okay. Um so I think it would be more likely they trade out I think what's more important this year is, is building that depth on the offensive line at cornerback, at inside linebacker, instead of grabbing that one big name guy like Jordan Love or a wide receiver or whatever. So I, I think trading back and maybe accumulating another pick or two is more likely.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, they've got 14 unrestricted free agents and, you know, and, and a handful of restricted guys, too. How many of those guys are going to leave? So if you, uh, you know, who knows? So if you trade back and get more picks, that is more attempts therefore to fill those gaps. I think that makes a lot of sense. But the thing is how many teams are thinking the same way and is there value in doing that? So, so then, so then, then the value becomes maybe trading up becomes a value because so many teams want to get out. So that's the whole thing. Again, this offseason is going to be bananas because this is, it's all
1: unprecedented stuff. Yeah. You, I got a couple more good questions. If you have any on your end, here, here's one from, uh. Cathal MC Cabe. any chance the pack start contract talks with Alexander soon. Yeah. I, I think relatively soon. I mean, what they have to, I mean, the the standard first step is, um, exercising his fifth year option. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So I-, I think that they have to do that this off season. And then I wouldn't expect them to extend him earlier than they have to. I think it would, that would most likely happen. Um, after this coming season. Yeah, because you get, you get the fifth year option. So he's really tied to you for this year and next.
2: Right. Um, I don't think there's any great sense of urgency. Obviously, the, in theory, the longer you wait, the, the more extensive it becomes. But I, I think time is on Green Bay's side um, at this point. I agree. Let um, me take over. Sure. Tyler Daniel, probably popular, but Aaron Jones being tagged $8 million seems like a no brainer, right? so matt i'm you are now Brian Gudekunst.
1: Would you use the franchise tag on aaron jones no i i I understand that the franchise tag would cost less or no. It would cost more this year against the cap right because they can if they extend them they can just spread that spread out the the cap cost over whatever four years and and you know ease it ease it up this year so it would make more sense for them to just in terms of considering this year's cap, it would make more sense for them to extend him than franchise tag him. Now the total cost obviously would be less if they franchise tag him, but regardless, I I don't think it's worth paying him anything. I, I hesitate saying that because he's so talented. There's nobody else on the team that can come close to doing what he does He's a top five running back in the league. He scored 35 touchdowns in his last 34 games. His talent is undeniable, but because of how much they're strapped for cash and because they could get Jamal Williams for far cheaper, and I think A.J. Dillon is a starting caliber back with a lot more reps in this league, or I should say if given the opportunity uh, to get a lot more reps in this league, which I think he will this year, I think they'll be fine. So, as valuable as Aaron Jones is, I don't think he is the most valuable free agent they have. I think that's Lindsley. So, I, I wouldn't pay him anything. Yeah, that is such a good question. Um, I would say Jones is the most valuable
2: free agent just because, okay. just because. I don't know I like great players, and not that Lindsay's not a great player. But Aaron Jones scores touchdowns. Um, he can score at any point and any time. I just think that's really hard to duplicate. Now, all that being said, eight million dollars is a lot when you're, you know, looking at over the cap. There eleven point four five million over the cap. Now, your franchise and base. Let's, let's round them up. You're twenty million dollars over the cap. Now, I realize that Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams are some pretty good money trees, but um, you're really going to be. It's going to be tough to make all that work and resign Robert Tanya, who I'm going to talk about here in a second. Um, and a draft class. I'm going to say you you let them go, and happily take your third round compensatory draft pick next year. <laughs>
1: yes, I agree.
2: Speaking of, you about, said you had a R- Robert Tanyan question. Yes. How do they deal with Tanya's contract? He, obviously, he's a restricted free agent. Do they have to give him a second mm-hmm. round tender? Um, for yeah, for, for Rob, those Rob who, yeah. Demops, go ahead, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. for those who aren't super familiar with restricted free agency, um, there are three tenders: a first round tender a second-round tender, and basically the original round tender. As an undrafted free agent, Tunyon would be worth nothing. So if you tender him with the, the lowest tender, the cheapest tender, you have a right to match that contract, but you get nothing in return if you, if you let him go elsewhere. And of course, with, with Tunyon and knowing Green Bay's cap situation, a team could throw a crap load of money at him in year one, and the Packers couldn't do anything with it. So then he would be out the door for nothing. Um, the second round tender, if that happens, at least you get a second round pick in exchange. So that's why I would take the second round tender because I think Tunyon's a really good player. And I think Green Bay's cap
1: situation makes them vulnerable to a team who really wants him. I think they should do the second round tender with him. I I you know, I saw someone say on Twitter they're cautiously optimistic that he'll be able to recreate his success, but I, I think he will, at least for the most part. And I think he's worth his second round tender. Um, definitely. And I, listen, I, is there a team out there that would be willing to part with a second round pick to get Robert Tunyon? Probably. Um, I, I don't, is there a team that's willing to part with a first round pick for him? Probably not, but I don't know if he's worth for green Bay, the amount that comes along with that first round tender, which is, I believe somewhere in the mid four millions. Yep. So I, I would say second round tender. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um,
2: Brando Miller, everyone is talking about cap ramifications and restructuring even more extensions into signing bonuses, including Aaron Rodgers, Zadaria Smith, Devonte Adams, Adrian Amos. After doing Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari, are there any major concerns with actual cash on hand and bonus money for these guys this year? You want to take that one? Yeah. Um, I, I think they've got gobs of cash on hand. I mean, these guys make money hand over fist. So I think actually having the physical cash is not a problem. The cap is the interesting thing in what would, Matt, you, you, I mean, you've run all the numbers, you've seen all the numbers, how much of, I guess I'm not asking specifically on, on a number of dollars, but how aggressive would you be with Rodgers' contract? Would you restructure, would you just so simply go all in and kick all that roster and, and, and salary into future caps? To basically, go all in so you you can maximize your cap space. Would you do that, Matt, or would you be would you be a bit more conservative? How would how would you handle it?
1: Well, there's a reason I'm not Russ Ball, but <laughs> I am of the belief that they should go all in. And listen, I write it in my story for today or tomorrow that I think it, it's a bold prediction. So maybe it's not completely rooted in my my actual honest belief, but. At some point, and this is a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day, but at some point, if you're Goody and you say, well, Aaron Rodgers still has plenty left in the tank, probably even beyond his current contract, we might as well trade Jordan Love and bite the bullet. And I'm not saying that draft pick was a mistake. I'm saying, do you trade Jordan Love to a team that was high on him in the draft for a third round pick? Well, you can still get that for him, or do you wait, see if r- take the risk that Rogers doesn't decline? You don't want to pay Jordan Love what that fifth year option will require—the twenty-two million around there, or whatever it is—because you're not going to keep him and Rogers on the on the roster at the same time. Then, so my thing is like, why not just trade him uh, while he's still worth something? Trust Rogers that he's still got plenty left in the tank and draft another quarterback that you evidently like better than love in a couple years. And, and I guess in short, my answer is yeah, if you want to maximize Rogers' window to win a Super Bowl, I would, you know, to free up cap space now, like you said, push it down the road, ensure him that he'll be here in the long term and restructure that contract so you can you know, re-sign a Corey Lindsley, re-sign an Aaron Jones, go get a J.J. Watt to, to make sure that you have the best chance to win a Super Bowl with Rodgers here.
2: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, Tom Brady's could, Tom Brady could play until he's a million years old the way he plays now, right? Well, Aaron yes. Rodgers played that way this year. I mean, all the freelancing and extending plays, I mean, he, he cut back on that so much. The Aaron Rodgers that we saw this year could play for, uh, for 100 years his arm is so good. He's so smart and, and whatever he loses physically, it's all upstairs mentally. Yeah. I would, I would, I'm, I a hundred percent agree. Um, I would, I would roll the dice thinking that the Rogers that we, that you got now can play this way in 2022, 2023, hell 2024,
1: 2025. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's 37 now. and, Brady, he has three years left on his contract. Brady just won a Super Bowl at age 43. And I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers will play that long, but he believes that he can. If Aaron Rodgers still has six years left where the Packers, where he can do his part to lead the Packers to a Super Bowl. And yes, whole nother discussion that he hasn't played tremendous in NFC Championship games. My point is, if you're picking quarterbacks that you want on a team to help lead you to the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers is among the first three that you're going to pick. Forget the interception he threw. Forget not running on that third down. You get my point. Aaron Rodgers is the guy you want, not a, a Jordan Love starting in his first or second year in a couple of years. So I think we're on the same page here. Yeah, with Love, Matt, would you try to trade him
2: right away or do you roll the dice Or there's actually going to be a preseason next year or this year, I
1: guess it is now, 2021? I, I, that's an interesting point because I think there's a fine line between Waiting too long to trade him because the farther you get away from the draft, the more his value decreases because Mm -hmm. uh, it's farther away from the last time he's played meaningful snaps. You know, it's more time that he spent on the bench. But at the same time, if you wait, you get some preseason reps in there. And, you know, if you're going to try and dangle him as trade bait, you at least need some in-game reps in the NFL uh, to get a second or third round pick, if that even if those snaps don't mean anything.
2: Yeah, it's, it's like out of sight, out of mind, isn't it? No one has seen the guy. I mean, other than, than us. I mean, nobody has seen the guy for... been the senior bowl of last year. So by the time this draft comes around, you're talking about 15 months and no one's seen the guy? And this is a pretty good draft class of quarterbacks, allegedly? Well, that is a hell of a roll of the dice. Um, it really is. But I mean, you could put him out there in the preseason. What, what if he sucks? <laughs> I mean, and he, and he might. So yeah, I don't, I don't, but the way riders played this year, I, I don't give a crap about any of that. I'm trying to win with what, what you got. So that's, that's a wide roll.
0: Yep. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... Mm,
1: Uh, From Mark Sieber, how would you grade Gutekunst's free agency signings for his first few years as GM? That's a fair question. Bill, you want to take 2018 since you were covering the team then? Oh God, 2018, who did he sign in for agency? Uh, probably nobody? Yeah, I, I don't think it was anyone. <laughs> he, what, he traded I got that Ha-Ha covered. Cl- You're up, Matt. He traded HaHa Clinton Dix. Am I am I right? Yeah,
2: Clinton. Yeah, yeah they, they, they destroyed the safety group, which is obviously a brilliant idea because what happened... In 2019 with, with Amos and, and Savage. So And um, Ty yeah. Montgomery, did he trade Ty
1: Montgomery too? For a bag of rocks, I think. For for a bag of rocks, a seventh round pick maybe. But yeah. 2019 was Zedarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, Billy Turner. Pretty solid. Yes. That's pretty solid. You got Amos, Zedarius. I mean, Preston had a really good 2019. Not as good of 2020, obviously. But you you hit on... I'd say Turner was a hit after what he did this season, you know, 2019, not so much. You can even consider Preston Smith a hit for, for what he did in 2019 and parts of 2020. So I'll give him a three out of four on that one. 75% in free agency is not bad. Now we talk about this past year, Funches, obviously that's out of his control. Cause he opted out because of COVID Rick Wagner, Christian Kirksey. They helped out this year granted they're not long-term pieces but it's not like they cut bait with them and still have to eat up a lot of a dead money we all we always knew those guys were going to be short-term investments and they weren't bad ones no i i kind of feel for rick wagner i mean he he hurt his
2: knee during one of those uh scrimmages in lambo back in august mm-hmm. um and he was never the never same got guy healthy right i mean he was just, he was just never healthy and he he, he did he played pretty well until the championship game where he, where he got destroyed, but I mean, I have no idea the percentage he was at health wise, but it was it was not much. But um, going back to that 2019, boy, can things change, can't they? Because, I mean, Zedarius was really good both years. Let me see, Preston change Billy Turner. I thought was a bad signing after 2019. So I I thought he was. I didn't think he was very good, and then he he, he goes to tackle, and he was fantastic. So which gets you, Which gets me to Preston Smith. million you save if you cut him. I'm not so sure I want to cut a guy who had 12 sacks in 2019, and he played with Joe Barry in Washington. Um, I I know this is like this foregone conclusion among the Twitterverse that they're going to get rid of Preston Smith, and maybe they will because it is a lot of money, but I would be real reluctant to get rid of him.
1: That's an interesting point. Uh, I still think they should, but I think it all depends on what barry season him and mm-hmm. and how often does barry want to put three edge rushers on the field how how often does he want to play dime how confident is he in randy ramsey or you know signing an edge rusher or getting a number three guy in there that costs a lot less and does he still like preston enough from his time in washington you can't hamstring rashawn gary anymore rashawn gary and Zedaria smith are going to be your top two regardless but do you want to pay your number three edge rusher what Preston Smith is is getting paid this year, or do you want to save eight million and you know spend that on a on a guy who's going to play a lot more and potentially have more impact? It, it's really interesting. I think it, they could go either way. Yeah, you hit it all of the park, man. You hit every one of my checklists there. Um,
2: the depth thing really stands out to me. They so have zero. If you get rid of Preston Smith, you got Zayarius Smith. Who's He's hurt a lot, right? I mean, he plays every Sunday, but he gets shaken up a fair bit. Rashawn Gary's got some injury history. Who in the hell starts if one of those guys is out for a couple weeks? Because they drafted Jonathan Garvin last year. right, And he didn't play. I mean, even on the worst special teams on earth, he couldn't get on the field for that. So, again, maybe because then you go back to the the revolving door that could be free agency, and, and maybe you can get a guy who's pretty decent for a lot less money, so maybe it works out for you, but the fact that you've got nobody here, um, I, I, I do think that's troublesome. I agree. Let's do what one more each. Let me hear. Let me hear one more. You got. Ryan wants to know, and when will Joe Barry announce his defensive staff? We actually, I know Rob Domofsky mentioned this to, into a sort of group chat the other day. Maybe this week, right? Maybe this week, maybe next week.
1: So that's that's coming, people. Maybe this week. Maybe next week. Maybe the week after. Maybe in July. Who knows? <laughs> That's a true I'm ready better. for the zoom call when I'm ready for the zoom call whenever it happens. We will be getting Joe Barry and Maurice Drayton whenever those staffs are announced. And, you know, it's anybody's guess who he'll who he'll retain. I think it would be silly to kind of overhaul anything. You know, granted there's always the the thing about wanting to bring in your guys, but ultimately Matt LaFleur has the final say on that, and I find it hard to believe he'd green light moving on from uh a Mike Smith or a Jerry Gray. Or even a Jerry Montgomery or a Kirk Olavadotti, given what those guys had, those two, Montgomery and Olavadotti, have been able to do with kind of limited personnel at their respective position groups.
2: Yeah. Let me say about, about Mike Smith. He was a Mike Patton guy, as in they were right. tight before he got here. So you wonder if um, if, if they were kind of a package or, or, or what. Um, I think working in Green Bay's favor, I, I think all the defensive staffs around the league are probably filled. So it's not like. Jerry Gray, who could, maybe he's ticked about not getting the job. I have no idea. I'm just using as an example, um, say, screw you guys. I'm going to go join this team. Well, I don't, I don't know if there's any jobs open so that Maybe works in their favor.
1: Yeah. All right. From Anthony Machinsky. M- I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If you guys could add one guy in free agency to the Packers, who would it be and why? And that will be our final question. Let's see. From a story, and now I'm going to answer this from a journalist perspective. I'm going to say, what would be the best story? JJ Watt. Oh, of come on, you stole my answer. Hey, Bill, <laughs> listen, you knew I was going to say that. Of we were here for the story. What would be the best fit? What would be the most sensible, price wise, fit wise, reasonable? Probably someone else, but guess what? We're here for the story. If you want to make football in Green Bay even more interesting than it already is, bring the Wisconsin guy home. Can, Bill, can you imagine? Let's say they have thirty thousand fans in the stands week one. If if they go back to those pregame intros and the and they introduce the defense week one Sunday night football against the Chicago Bears, number ninety nine from Wisconsin, JJ Watt. That would be that would be awesome. I know we're supposed to be objective journalists, but we're about the stories and the scenes. That would be an awesome scene.
2: That would be bananas. I I can't. I I was too young for Reggie White. Um. I, I was one I, guy, you know, during, you know, during Super Bowl, I was, you know, 20, early twenties, um, so I didn't cover the team, but it would not that Watt is Reggie White, but it would be like on par with that. It's, it's the local legend quote unquote coming home. How many jerseys would they sell? I mean, if, if I'm Mark Murphy, I'm, I'm calling Tom Conan every day, <laughs> please sign because we'll, we'll make up all the money in Jersey sales. It would be, it'd be epic. And if you're, and if you're Watt. What better would it be to come again? It's not home. Actually, Chicago is closer to his home than Green Bay, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But to but to come home and, and be the the missing piece. You know, you, you've seen Ed Werder saying that Watt's priorities are quarterback, supporting cast, and money. Well, he's got the quarterback. He's got the supporting cast. I mean, who? I know Rob had the the tweet about double team rates, and J.J. Watt was number one in double teams, and Zadarius Smith was number two. Yeah. Good luck with that, people. So I, I I think it'd be a great signing. I I realize he's been hurt like crazy. I realize I had five sacks last year. Um, but I think he'd make a good impact. But my God, Matt, the story would be fantastic.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it would be an awesome story. Do I think it happens? No. But man, as someone who roots for the best story, I I wouldn't mind it happening at all. But uh, he said on Twitter, he said. He was asked by a fan, I think it was, you know, when are you going to pick a new team? And and J.J. Watt said, listen, man, it takes me an hour to pick a restaurant (laughs) when I'm scrolling through DoorDash. You're going to need to give me some time to pick a new team in a new city. There are certainly a lot of ones out there that make some sense, and we'll probably get an answer to that in in less than a month. Free agency officially kicks off March 17th at 3 p.m. Central. Listen, you guys know Packers news never stops, whether it's contract restructures, signings, trades whatever. And it's even going to be crazier this off season. So we thank you guys for listening. We'll be coming to you again, probably in another two weeks. We appreciate all your questions for Bill, our fantastic producer, Danielle. I'm Matt. You know where you can find us all. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next time.